Hi, I'm Kate Rice with Monroe County Matters. I have a repeat guest today, Kaylee Day, Community Health Educator for the Monroe County Health Department. If you've been paying attention to the news lately, COVID-19 has been very busy in Monroe County and neighboring counties. We've had more cases appearing in the past two weeks than in the past couple of months. And Monroe County's COVID compass is now at the severe risk level, which is the highest level. So, sounds dramatic. No, actually, it's not dramatic. It's numbers. There are many tried and proven tactics that are very that are highly effective for dealing with this. And Kaylee is going to explain these numbers, why we're now at the severe risk level, what factors go into putting us at that level, and what can be done to bring that down. She's also gonna talk about the three main ways COVID spreads and how the health department deals with each of those ways and more. It's really fascinating. So please take a listen. Yeah, so on April, I just kind of back um, one month and then two months. So April 19th, we had 13 confirmed cases total and five of those cases were active. So people were sick and on isolation and we were monitoring them. Then one month ago on May 19th, we had 15 confirmed cases total and one active case. So one person was isolating and we were monitoring them. So bring that to June 19th. Today we have, or as of yesterday, we have a total of 40 confirmed cases and 17 of those were active, are active. So we're actively monitoring them and they're still in isolation. Now it's interesting if you compare that to June 5th. On June 5th, we had a total of 18 cases and two of those cases were active. Whoa. So that was a pretty big jump in two weeks. Yes. Yep. Yes. So then I'm like, whoa, where did all this come from? We had some cases associated with workplaces. So one of those was the the Morrow Homes talked about how they've had employees test positive. Also, many of our cases had contact with a confirmed case. So let's say you live with an individual who tested positive. Uh, Many of our cases were associated with those, but then we also had cases that were community spread where during the process of our interview, we couldn't identify where they had picked it up. So I've talked to a couple people who have been like, I have no idea where I picked this up. It sounds like community spread is the one that's problematic. Yes, yes. But with community spread has this image of COVID-19, the bad guy walking around, rubbing his hands together and thinking, oh. I can just get thick because they don't know where I am. Yeah. Uh, and so of the of those cases over the past two weeks, it sounds like it's a, a mix of error of all three, I guess. What I'm thinking is what would be of more concern if there were like, yeah. if they were all community spread. Yeah. No, and that's where a lot of what lacrosse is having a problem with right now is that they can't identify contacts of people who have been in like, let's say downtown bars and everything so we they can't find those people to quarantine which is why now they're having the messaging going out about like seeing spread at certain places whereas here in Monroe County we've been able to identify contacts of people or we haven't had too many cases where we just haven't been able to identify contact. Kaylee checked percentages after the interview 37% of Monroe County cases are community spread. Cases are across a pretty broad age range. 
it's been a mix of ages. So if I just look here, yeah, we've had people in the past two weeks who've been in their 70s, some in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. So it's it's a spread, I would say. Now, I think this is where the dashboard comes into play. Can you talk about how that works? Sure. Cool. So La Crosse County created this Cooley COVID-19 dashboard, and they debuted it for La Crosse County on May 26th, I believe. And probably for over a month now, we've been feeding them our data as well. So we've been able to see the dashboard, um, but it wasn't public facing until about last week. So on the dashboard, which is www.covid19compass.org. So on that website, you can see because we wanted to be able to look at the risk of COVID-19, not only on the county level, but also regionally, because we know that COVID-19 has no boundary, or it doesn't adhere to county boundaries, town boundaries, anything like that. And we know people cross county boundaries to go to work, to go home, to go shopping, whatever it may be. So um, on the dashboard, it includes data for Buffalo, Crawford, Jackson, La Crosse, Monroe, Trumpelo, and Vernon counties. And the indicators that we are currently working with are epidemiology, so what the disease is doing, healthcare, and then public health status. So under epidemiology status, we have a couple different metrics that we use. So our first metric under that time or under that category is average daily average daily tests meet surveillance level. So that's looking at is there enough testing going on to provide adequate surveillance. Metric number 2 looks at the percentage of tests the percentage of tests that are positive is stable and less than 10%. So this is one, one of the areas where we went into the red because our per, the percentage of tests that came back positive are less than 10%, but they're not stable. So we saw an increase in the past two weeks. Metric number three looks at a 10% reduction in the number of new cases. And that is another area where we have a red it's turned red because we did not have a 10% reduction in the number of new cases. We've had a increase in mm -hmm. new cases. Metric number four looks at doubling time. So that is that really looks at the, that's a measurement of case growth. So we want to see doubling times that are six days or more. Anything under that, then you start to see cases climb. So that was why we went under, that's why, you know, Wisconsin and a lot of states went under their safer at home and stay at home orders is because we saw that doubling time really starting to increase. So the metrics two and three are really, are really assess whether cases are increasing and looking at the potential for a new wave. And then that metric that doubling time metric looks at case growth. Under healthcare, we also have a couple, couple metrics looking at surge capacity for our healthcare systems and also critical care. So looking at do our healthcare systems have um, ventilator ability, masks, enough critical care beds. 
And then also, too, are the number of people hospitalized under 20%. That is, the number of COVID patients requiring hospitalization is under 20%. And is the mortality rate due to COVID under 5%. So, and then mortality. So our mortality rate due to COVID is under 5%. Yeah, that's good. Really yeah, good. And we look at our healthcare status on a regional level since all of our counties really share healthcare systems. Right. Like if I go to the hospital, I'm very likely to, if I'm in Sparta, but I go to a hospital, I'm very likely to end up in La Crosse. Right. Yep. For anything, not just COVID, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we look at um, our public health status. So this looks at... One of our metrics in here is that our cases are referred to public health within 24 hours of test results. So that was an area where we had a red because we had a little bit of trouble with some of our cases in the past two weeks being reported to us within 24 hours. Another metric. Within 24 hours of them exhibiting symptoms so that you could do your follow-up or... Um, testing positive. Oh, of the te- so this is a test result thing. Yep. yep. Like the, labs or whatever. Yep, because when we get the test result, then they're a confirmed case, and then we do our follow-up. So that's the infrastructure. Just- yep. And then also that cases are reachable by public health within 24 hours of notification. So once we get that report, we want to be able to reach them within 24 hours. And you're getting reports from, from like doctors or hospitals? Yes. So healthcare providers. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. And I can, and I can kind of talk through our contact tracing in a moment here as well. Yes, that'd be great. Another metric that we have underneath, under public health status is that contacts are reachable by public health within 20, 24 to 48 hours. So the contacts of that positive case are able to be reached and then we're able to get them to quarantine. Right. Yeah. Great. And then our last metric under that is our PPE, personal protective equipment requests. Our, Mm -hmm. all of our PPE requests are fillable. So we work with our county emergency manager to fill those requests and we haven't been able to fully um, give everybody what they needed. So that's why that metric is in the red. Okay. So you haven't been able to get enough face masks to people who. Yeah. Or gowns or gloves, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be like healthcare providers, long-term care providers, um, EMS, So then for us to be in a, basically how it works then is if two or more categories are in the red, then you're at a severe risk. So for us, our epidemiology status was in the red due to that case growth. And then our public health status was in the red due to the not being able to fill PPE as well as the delay in getting reports. So therefore, that's why we're in the severe risk category. Which is really important to understand that it's not just the caseload. It's not the number of cases. It's it's also just the infrastructure's ability to cope. So that's key. Yes, exactly. 
Yes, exactly. So looking at do we have the ability to respond because we know this can spread really easily and we don't want to see things get out of hand. We want to be able to box in the virus. Love that. It's such a nice, neat analogy. I'm like, yes. Isn't it? I like that one. Are you a Virgo? No, I'm not. (laughs) So talking about testing, who should get tested? I mean, should everybody get tested? What do you have to tell people about testing? It kind of depends on what what kind of testing healthcare providers are able to do. Really, we a lot of the criteria around testing is a lot of places want you to have symptoms before, you know, in order to be tested. Also, to people, a lot of times we want, I suppose, preferably we look at having close contact with someone who tests positive for COVID-19. So if you were in, had direct physical contact with the person, if you were within six feet of the person for more than 15 minutes, if you had contact with any of like the person's respiratory secretion, so like if they sneezed on you, you had shared a drinking glass, or if you stayed overnight in their house for at least one night. This seems to lead into the contact tracing. Yeah. So how do you do that? Sort of detective. Detective. Yeah. Yeah. Disease detective. Yep. And I have a little graphic that I can actually email. Oh, good. Because I'll I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah. Yeah. So in order for someone to be considered a confirmed case of COVID-19, they have to have a positive lab test. And that has to be a PCR test, which is a test that basically, from my understanding, detects like the DNA of the virus. Oh, right. As opposed Mm -hmm. to a antibody test. Gotcha. Then those cases are reported to the health department for the jurisdiction in which they reside. So essentially what that means is if you live in Monroe County, it would be reported to Monroe County Health Department. If let's say you work in Toma, but you live in Mauston, and you test positive, your ca- you would your case would be reported to Juneau County Health Department. Makes sense. And so we have a it's called WEDS. It's our Wisconsin Electronic Disease Surveillance System, where cases get uploaded into that system, and then we can see positives. Also, too, since COVID nineteen is a Category One disease, meaning that it's reportable immediately to the health department. It, we um, sometimes get like phone calls oh. about positive mm-hmm. cases mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And so from there, then health department staff conduct a intensive interview to determine who the person came into contact with during their contagious period. And their contagious period is two days prior to symptom onset and then through their isolation period. And this is basically what's known as contact tracing. So we look at who the person came in contact with during their contagious period. And then we also look two weeks prior to see if maybe had, if there was a common place where, or a common exposure. So we ask people, did you go to like a gathering or like, for example, maybe you went to a wedding two weeks ago and then you test positive and then we see another person from that wedding test positive and another person, you know, then we can 
outreach to those people and say, hey, if you went to this wedding, you may be at risk and then we can provide them guidance. And then they can get tested. And so that's somebody who, even if they're asymptomatic, they should probably be tested. It depends on the availability of testing. Right. Oh, okay. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some new, we're kind of in between guidelines right now. So it's Uh, a little messy. (laughs) But then, but at least the thing is, if you know that you are at what, you know, an event where other people have since tested positive, you should just be very aware of that and be extra vigilant about social distancing just in the event that maybe you might have been infected yourself. Just and wear wear face mask. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Then positive cases are asked to isolate and report their symptoms daily to the health department. And then we determine when they're off of isolation. So we like people to be isolated for 10 days and have to be 72 hours well. So let's say we get to day 10 and it's been three days since you've had any symptoms, you're good to go. Let's say you get to day 10 and you're still having symptoms, then we may keep you on isolation a little bit longer. And are people, it sounds like very... Everybody's able to stay home. So, I mean, with this latest wave, are most people staying home? Yes, we've had we've had people be extremely cooperative. People have really been very good to work with. Yeah, but I mean, they're not so sick that they have to go to the hospital. Oh, or are some of them having to be hospitalized? We have currently, as of yesterday, we had one person okay. who was in the okay. hospital. So, but that's still encouraging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of, so right now you've got how many yeah. people that you're talking to every day? Like, is it six? You said when you say there's... Well, we have 17 active cases. So though you're talking to those people every day. Yep. And then, but then also um, that doesn't even include like their contacts. How do you track all of this? I mean, I keep envisioning a big map or chart with a lot of pins in it, but everybody's working virtually. So, or are you back in the office now? We're, we're in the office. But we rely on, we are able to track a lot of it in WEDS, our disease surveillance system. But there's a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of, (laughs) um, you know, making sure, you know, we're keeping track of who's on isolation, who's recovered, um, who we're staying in contact with. So, yeah. Oh, I want to come in and see it. I'll be there. I just mentioned face masks, but just general practices that reduce risk for everybody. So um, practices that can um, protect yourself and others. If you are someone who is isolating or quarantining, isolating and quarantining for the full amount of time as advised by the health department, we know that people who are exposed to COVID-19 can develop symptoms between two and 14 days. So really isolating or or quarantining for that full 14 day period. And then then, um, for those who are isolating, isolating for that full period of time. Typically people don't feel very well, so they're not going many places, but yeah. (laughs) But we do have some people who are asymptomatic. So to staying at home as much as possible, really we encourage people to just keep in mind that if you are leaving your home, you may come in contact with COVID-19 because we do have that community spread. So stay home, 
as much as you can, especially if you're sick, even if that illness is mild. So we've had some people who have told us, yeah, I thought I just had allergies and then turns out they start running a fever and they have, and then they go get tested and have COVID-19. Yeah. Also remembering that social distancing. So maintaining that six feet of distance with others whenever possible and minimizing close contact. So within six feet with those outside of your household. So if let's say you're getting together with friends, can you keep yourself socially distant? Maybe you can be outside somewhere where you're not coming into super close contact. Also too, limiting travel, especially to areas with large numbers of COVID-19. And we on our COVID compass, there every week it's updated of the places with the places that are considered kind of viral hotspots. Also wearing a fabric face covering in places where you can't maintain social distancing. So the grocery store, um, quick trip, maybe if you're out shopping or something, really wearing that fabric face covering because one, there are people who are asymptomatic who test positive for COVID-19, but also two, people are contagious two days before they start developing symptoms. So you might be spreading COVID-19 and you don't even realize that you have. Here's why you want to wear face masks. If 60% of the people wear face masks that are 60% effective, we can shut this virus down and just get back to our lives. That's according to a professor at Harvard who's also a surgeon at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Then, just a little on-the-ground proof, Springfield, Missouri. Two hairstylists had COVID-19. Between the two of them, they worked on more than 140 clients for several days. One hairstylist worked for six or seven days. Local authorities prepared for an outbreak. But guess what? No one else got sick. Why? Because one of the few businesses that local health authorities had required everyone to wear face masks, both the hairdressers and the customers, were personal care businesses like beauty salons. Hey, sign me up. Also, too, washing your hands frequently with soap and water and avoiding touching your face. I didn't know if you wanted me to go um, more into detail about like the source of of infections. Yes, please. Okay. When we are doing our interview with somebody, we try to see if we can determine where, what the infection is most likely attributed to. So are they a household contact of a confirmed case? Are they, are they exposed via international travel or domestic travel? Was it a nosocomial infection where you might they might have gotten it through at a long-term care facility or in a healthcare facility? Did they have close contact with a confirmed case that they didn't live with? So let's say you were hanging out with your friend and then your friend tested positive, that would be like a non-household contact or someone at work um, also, um, is it associated with an outbreak? So, for example, some of the outbreaks in like the meatpacking plants in various states and counties, that would be like an outbreak associated case. Um, or was it community acquired? So we can't really p- pinpoint a source. 
So that's that community spread. And those are really, that's a lot of the spread that we're concerned about just because um, if we can pinpoint a source, then we can, you know, quarantine folks or provide guidance. But if it's just out in the community and people don't know where they're getting it from, that creates a concern. Mm. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. I'll let you get back to work now. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been another by the Seat of My Pants production. Theme music by Peter Danilovitz. 